beginning with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached Jesus. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Luke writes, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine? Where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. As you're seated, we invite our children to be dismissed for their time of worship. Let's bow together and pray. Open our hearts, O God, to hear a word that is more than a preacher's word, is in fact the word of life that only your spirit can speak into our hearts. So this day, having made the effort to show up, may we now show up for your spirit. May we now listen amidst the words of scripture, the words of sermon, the words of song, For the sacred word, the transforming word that can heal us and make us whole. In the name of the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. One of the cardinal rules of preaching is you need to know your audience. Um, I thought I knew my audience on Friday night. I thought that if I asked for a show of hands, how many of you have ever known someone who had leprosy? I assumed no one would raise their hand. I didn't factor in that Dr. Marilyn Sanders would be at Friday Church. Her hand went straight up. She'd been in some remote village in Africa, and sure enough, she had seen someone with leprosy. So how many of you know someone who has leprosy today? It's not a 21st century disease that we worry about Much at all. But in the first century, it was gravely serious. It was contagious, required isolation and quarantining. In the Bible, it's really kind of public enemy number one, and it affects uh, both princes and paupers. People have to stay away. They have to warn others. There's protocol for uh, how to get back into the community. You have to be inspected first before you're allowed back into the community. So while on the one hand we we don't know about leprosy, the disease, we do know a great deal about the the experience of leprosy in our minds and in our lives. Those messages, spoken and unspoken, that somehow make people like you and me 
feel like we're not part of the community, that we've been isolated or quarantined. Maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's something you didn't do. Maybe it's some message you received from some place, from society, from family, from church maybe. Maybe it's a voice within your own mind that somehow says to you, if you have something wrong, you deserve it. If you're going through a divorce, well, you deserve it. If, if, if you're failing in life in some way, you deserve it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not clean enough. You're not worthy. You're not right. You're not connected with the rest. Someone said, what, what would happen if someday in church, just sort of magically, every person sitting in the room had a little balloon appear above their heads that had a word on it that symbolized their form of leprosy? All kinds of balloons all over the room. And they say things like addiction or fear or some hidden secret or a pain or a doubt. Everyone, every one of us would have a balloon. Every one of us has a heartache. We're vulnerable. We feel embarrassed. And that feels awful. But the good news is that when we feel awful, when we get to that place where we feel like the leper, Jesus is always, always just around the corner. Just around the corner. Luke tells us that Jesus didn't stay in the safety and the purity of the temple where everyone was good and clean and important. But rather, especially in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is out on the margins of society. In that space between Galilee and Samaria where the Samaritans, those foreigners, lived. That's where Jesus moved. Because that's where people are who need to hear the Gospel. Just like if you want to go fishing, you go to where the fish are. If, if you want to be a healer of God's world, you go to the places that need the healing. So Jesus goes out to those marginal places, those border places, where he encounters a leper colony, a community, a congregation of broken, hurting people. They've heard of Jesus, apparently. They know of his reputation as being one who is gracious and has the capacity to bring some kind of sacred healing into their lives. And so they call out. They stay at a distance, as is the protocol, but they unite their voices and they say, Jesus, have mercy on us. Luke writes, when Jesus saw them, the impression is he focuses. He gets a little closer to see who they are. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, that's kind of a strange response when we back up from it. Why would you go show your medical condition to a priest? Let me just say, if any of you here have an infectious disease, don't, don't show me, okay? Don't bring it to church. But what makes this command of Jesus especially strange is this. They're not healed yet. He's sending people who have leprosy. He's commanding people who have leprosy to go and show themselves to the priests. 
In other words, go in this moment of vulnerability and take a step toward that which re-enters you into society. And Luke writes, as they went, as they went, they were made clean. In other words, they had to walk before they began to get clean. They had to participate in this miracle. They had to join with God in moving toward that which would restore them and turn their flesh back into wholeness. And I think this is an important truth for us to consider. That few of us get an instant healing without some investment or some act of cooperation on our own. That's what these ten lepers did. They took steps to reclaim their lives and they became clean. Physically, they were turned back into the lives that they had before. They were restored. Which is a great image for us of how God's sacred energy is not limited to to a select few, but is generous and extravagant. It's there for all who will trust and walk toward their restoration because that's what God wants for the world. God's not stingy. God is generous. God's not stingy. God, life, the sacred energy is is always, always wanting to make an inroad into any place where there's brokenness. Well, for apparently for the nine, having their skin turned back to its original form was all they needed. That was enough. They were content. They moved on, apparently. They showed themselves to the priest, and then they went on about their lives. They returned to their homes, their families. Perhaps they got right back to work. And you get the impression that there's almost a sense of, well, we've already finished that. Now it's time to move on. Reminds me of a character named Stephanie in an old Bob Newhart TV show. It was a little situation comedy. Stephanie was this sort of uh, valley girl, rich girl, who was being punished by her parents because she had to work as a housemaid in this hotel that was run by Bob Newhart. She got lost in the woods one day in this episode. You could just barely see anything on the TV screen. It was dark. And you heard her voice as she nervously made her way through the woods. She comes upon a cabin. And as she walks into the cabin, she cries out, Oh, if there's a God, let there be electricity and light. She reached over, turned the switch, and the lights all came on. And she sniffed to herself, Oh, good, there's both. And went on with her life. As if there's no big deal here. You just receive the gift and you move on. That's the way a lot of people live their lives. They receive the gift and they just move on. But one turned back. One considered the source of his healing. One had to say, had to say, thank you. We don't know why. He had already gotten the healing. He didn't have to go back. Maybe it was the voice of his mother in his head somewhere going, Now, son, go back and thank the nice man who healed your body. Maybe he was just a nice and mannerly boy. But whatever his motivation, 
his turning back and his coming and placing himself at the feet of Jesus completes something in him. It does something more. He had already had his skin turned back. But in him turning back and coming to Jesus, something more is revealed, something deeper is healed, and it all stems from his gratitude. It's as if gratitude might be the portal that takes us into an entire new space that moves us from being healed to being well, whole, complete. This past week, my daughter and son-in-law and two grandchildren had to evacuate their home in Jacksonville Beach, Florida as Hurricane Matthew pressed in on them. My daughter left a day or so earlier, uh, but Luch, my son-in-law, stayed behind to get both his business and their home in order as much as he could. Finally, it was time for him to evacuate, and he called me. And he said to me, it's so fascinating to me, as we're driving north on I-75, southbound I-75 is almost as jam-packed with trucks and emergency vehicles and army brigades and and trucks full of water and resources coming to meet the human need that was going to be caused by the hurricane. And I could tell it awakened something in Luch. This sense of gratitude that really everything that he most cares about in life is already safely ensconced in Macon, Georgia, his wife, his children, the basics of their life, fit in a car. So he's grateful for safety. He's grateful for the context in which he lives, the the frame of his life, this nation that we have where everyone is valued and everyone is connected. And it was represented to him by these caravans of, of resources heading southbound toward the hurricane. But then his gratitude took another level. He said to me, I realize down in Haiti, they don't have these resources. They don't have these trucks that can quickly try to bring the power back up. They don't have armies that can bring in uh, truckloads of water. They don't have medical teams on their way. In fact, they don't even have an I-75 to bring the resources in. And I could feel in Luch this level of gratitude awaken and give birth to something new deep within him. You don't have to wait until there's a hurricane. Sometime today, you're going to sit down at a meal. And if it's a good meal, you'll be able to see on the plate or in the bowl before you the very elements of life. And if you can just take a second, just just a moment, before you dive in and consume it, to consider the source. Rain and sun and earth and, and God and hands that plant and and harvest and move and cook. 
all of the gift that the that the food represents, and then the food itself, its energy that you're going to take into yourself and live by. And if just for a moment you'll stop and look, you might be born again. You might see life and the world in a whole different way, and your gratitude will be the portal through which you give your life more completely to this gift of love that is God. And it changes everything. I think when Jesus asked, so the ten, where are they? Weren't ten healed? Where are the nine? I don't think he's asking to, to shame them. He's not belittling them. I think Jesus asked the question out of compassion and out of love. To say, oh man, they missed this opportunity to awaken to the abundance of life. Like the cover of your order of worship says, life, it's for a limited time only. This is the only one we get. It's non-transferable. You can't give it to somebody else. This is your one life. Don't miss the opportunity. Luke notes for us that the one who turned back happened to be a Samaritan. That is, someone who's already outside the fold. Regardless of his leprosy, he's outside the fold. Those who look at the Bible carefully have been able to point out to us that Jesus not only lives on the margin, does his ministry on the margin, but that those who are on the margins are those who are most likely to actually see and be grateful. So Highland, when we are called by God into things like caring about immigration, caring about refugees, caring about Haiti, caring about uh, people in prison, caring about uh, Inclusion of all people. When we begin to talk about racial reconciliation, I think God is not just calling us to go do good things. God's trying to get us saved. God's trying to allow us to see what we maybe can't see in our places of privilege, but people on the margins see. Where are the other nine? Was only one left to give praise to God? Oh, and Luke says, he was a Samaritan. God wants to make us clean. But even more importantly, God wants to make us well. Jesus said to the Samaritan, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. What's the difference between clean and well? Clean was skin deep. Well is soul deep. It connects with who you are and it changes how you live. It turns us back. I think that's what we're doing here in worship. Worship isn't just, this isn't just ritual. It, it is ritual. But it's a weekly invitation to stop. 
to give thanks, to be reoriented, to be almost born again every week, every week. So that we, when we end this form of worship and begin the worship that, as you know, is our very lives, it is out of a whole different orientation. So go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And now we have work to do. Wherever your way takes you, go as a well person and give God the glory now and always. Let's pray together. We are made well by the gifts you give and our recognition. And so this day we step toward your love and we are made whole. So may this time of worship and all the weeks to come be sacred to us. May every meal be a sacrament, a gift. May every exchange we have become one of those ways that your glory is revealed in the world. May nature, may relationships, may healing and peace and deep purpose in life be a source of gratitude for us individually and as a faith community now and always. To your glory, O God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.